This is Gramercy, the podcast that highlights the stories of those who live and work on the margins of society. I'm your host, Corey Malat. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Welcome to Season 2. This season, the focus is on listening to the voices of our Black friends, neighbors, and strangers in order that we might better learn from their experiences of what it's like being Black in America. In today's episode, you get to meet Tierra Tucker from Dallas, Texas. This dynamic woman is a public relations and communications strategist, a social justice activist, a mental health advocate, an international speaker, as well as being a vocal advocate for female empowerment. In this episode, we dive deep into the topic of policing, what working for social justice looks like, and how we can take negativity and turn it into something positive. I am so excited to have you with me today, Tiara. It is so lovely to meet you, and your smile right now is just radiant. I am so excited to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much, Corey. I'm excited to be with you today. I love what you're doing, so it's a pleasure and an honor today. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to this first question because it's always very telling and it's just an easy, let's chit chat, kind of get to know each other before I ask you the really deep questions, right? Who are three people that you would love to have over for dinner, um, whether they be alive or dead, because you just desperately want to know more about these people? That's an amazing question. So considering I just watched Oprah Winfrey's live before I joined you, Mm -hmm. Oprah would definitely be at dinner with me. Auntie Oprah is what I call her. Uh Uh-huh. So I feel bad for this one, but there would be a toss-up between Michelle Obama and VP Kamala Harris because I really want them both. But this third one, and, and I never would have thought I'd, I'd say this third one, but maybe because, I don't know, it's just kind of top of mind. Uh-huh. I would want someone like Harriet Tubman. Someone oh, very awesome. courageous. Mm-hmm. Someone who was just bold. Mm-hmm. I would want to ask her, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. So, so, and that's why I feel bad that I'd have to have a toss up between Michelle and Kamala. You have to allow me to invite four. Oh, 100%. And, you know, I'm not really in charge of this. So it's okay. your ideal dinner guest list. I limit it to three, but who cares? So many people have wanted more. And you know what? Honestly, I would have a horrible time answering that question on my own. So I don't blame anybody. It is so hard to limit that list, isn't it? Yes. And because you asked me the question, you have to be at the dinner as well. Oh, excellent. That is always my biggest hope. I, I would love that. And all four of those women, I highly respect, idolize, want to, I mean, could you imagine how deep that conversation would go with just Oprah alone? I mean, I feel, I really feel like I resonate with her because she loves to just go straight to the core of everything, right? (laughs) Oh, I love your list. I already know so much about you and love you just from your list. Thank you for sharing that. To get to know you better, I would love to know what it was like growing up being Tierra. And what a beautiful name, first of all, your mother bestowed on you. I just have to say, you were the first Tierra I've ever met. 
and I love it. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. So little Tierra grew up in a small town called Kekakee, Illinois, which is south of Chicago, Illinois. And I would say that I grew up and I had a wonderful childhood. That's my mom crazy. was a single mom with my sister and myself. However, my father was always in my life. He was just living in Chicago, so about 45, 50 minutes north of us. Mm-hmm. And um, I grew up. My mother instilled in us um, how to be self-sufficient women, independent women, um, just you know, great women with good morals. And so as a little girl, I loved school. I was the little girl that, you know, I was a part of the committees, the organizations. I knew the principals. The principals knew me. The Uh teachers knew me. Um, And I always loved to talk, speak, write. And I would say one of my two fondest memories as a little girl was when I was in kindergarten and I had to write my first letter to Santa for a competition to meet Santa on the choo-choo train in my hometown. So <laughs> I wrote that letter as if, you know, Santa and all of the elves were going to read it. And I won. So my mother and I were able to go on the choo-choo train, the Amtrak, and we had like breakfast with Santa and there were other people on the train. Mm-hmm. A couple of years later, I entered into another competition for writing within my school. And it was called the Young Authors Contest. And I have to share this story because it's very pivotal in my life okay so I wrote this story and I you know I remember writing and like what am I going to write about and just ideas started pouring in I'm like maybe nine ten years old Mm -hmm. so the name of my story was called no way out and it was an inspirational and empowering and motivating story now I probably did not even know what those words meant that Mm -hmm. but when I when I would reread the story later because I still have the book I was like, wow, I was a little bit before my time, but I won the competition. Wow. And I was invited to go to Illinois State University in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois. So my brother and I, we went to this competition. It was the Illinois State Young Authors Competition where young authors from all over the state of Illinois were invited. And I was representing my school. So I remember meeting these authors and it was just so great. But I remember being on the campus of Illinois State University telling Mm -hmm. my mom, I want to go to school here one day. And I didn't even really know what college meant at the Mm -hmm. time. Years later, that's where I attended Illinois State University. No way. I received my bachelor's degree there and my master's degree there. And what was your bachelor's in? So my bachelor's degree was in public relations and Uh administration. And my master's degree was in communications. And you were meant as from a young child to do that. That is so incredible. How impactful little things that happen in our life, how they change the course of the direction or enable us to like to give us that, that sense of, I can do this. It seems like all those little things that you did as a kid enabled you to get to that point. That is such a beautiful story. It felt oh, like destiny, right? Like It does. Yes. Like you didn't even really understand what college was, but you had this knowing, I want to be here. Right. Wow, that's like very telling. Children's book at that time uh-huh. that inspired and empowered and motivated people. Mm-hmm. And now years later, I'm on a mission to empower and inspire and motivate people. Yeah, that's who you are at your core. 
you can't help but be that and it has to come out doesn't it and i'm so glad there is a i'm glad there's public relations i'm glad there's uh communications so that there is a field of work that you can excel in right yes thank you that's so awesome so this is what you do now you have um i was looking through your website you have a pr network is that what it's the name of it is and yeah. i'll have all these links in the show notes but you also have speak that podcast or is it more of a youtube cast like it's is it a video cast or an audio cast yeah so it's actually a little uh bigger than that i'll say it's oh, okay it's, that movement is actually my 501c3 charitable organization. Awesome. But when Speak That Movement, one of my, I would say, efforts to empower people is Speak That Talks, which is what you're referring to. Okay, okay. Speak that Talks is a live virtual show that airs on my Speak That Movement Facebook page uh -huh. and my Speak That Movement YouTube page. Okay. It was really something that I started as far as Speak That Talks. I started that in May, May 7th, 2020, during COVID-19. Mm -hmm. But Speak That Movement had been around before that. I just decided in 2020 to just evolve everything. So that's, that's where that is. That is fantastic. First of all, kudos to you for being willing to do a live video, anything. Like I can't <laughs> imagine the nerves and the things that can go wrong. I mean, I have a hard enough time recording and then editing I cannot imagine just the learning how to just go with the flow and just take it as it comes, right? When you're doing a live broadcast. Yeah, and I think that's the beautiful thing about live. And I, you know, and maybe everybody can't do live. I get it, right? Because I wasn't a fan of live, but it was just such an organic experience. The first time that I hosted a Speak That Talks, I had no plans on having over 40 consecutive weeks of them because I have had. 40 plus. Oh my goodness. I just wanted to go live May 7th because there was so much going on in the world, as you know, from, you know, COVID and quarantine life and, you know, social injustices and parents having to help teach the kids. There was just so much going on. And I just felt like, whoa, I want to just pause. I want to go live and talk to my friends and Facebook people and and just have a conversation about all of the things that people were texting and side conversing about. Mm -hmm. One show led to the next, to the next. But the beauty of live is that I think there's this grace that is provided, right? Mm -hmm. If there's a technical difficulty, you already know I'm live. It happens. You mm -hmm. know, if there's a glitch, sorry. But guess what? It's not perfection. As I like to say, it's just progression. Like, oh, that's good. Not perfecting, it's progressing. Yeah. That is good to have in mind. And I love that you wanted to get on and just be with other people because that's something we all lacked and desired in that time of uh, 2020. And also, I was reading at the time, there's so many people struggling with mental health over quarantine and all of that. So I imagine it really met a really important need at the time. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, I do have to ask you this. Are you extroverted or introverted? Because <laughs> this seems so, to be very natural. It just flows out of you. So I would guess you have more of an extroverted personality. So, yes, I would say I am an extrovert. However, 
let me just tell you this. COVID-19 is starting to turn me kind of into like an introvert. Like I've never in my adult life been at home so much because I live alone. I'm at home all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And even when I like get out there, I want to be home. And I don't even know if it's just because it's a global pandemic. Interesting. I'm like, I want to go home and I don't know. So I don't know what's going to happen when the world opens back up. Yeah. To be determined, will I be an extrovert or an introvert or both? <laughs> be determined. But you know, there is a positive spin in all that is that some of us have become a lot more comfortable with ourselves. We're okay with silence. We're okay with self-reflection. We're okay with with that struggle, with the tension of who we are and who we want to be. And that does produce a lot of growth, doesn't it? I agree. And the thing is, even when, you know, the world was open and I love to be out and about and meeting people and just, you know, living life, mm-hmm. I still always loved alone time. Like, I love alone time. Even in my home, it's usually silent. Like, I rarely turn the TV on. I just mm-hmm. started, I just got a Netflix account, okay? Like, two months ago. <laughs> yeah. And I really borrowed my mom's account, okay? Yeah. But, I'm like, I'm not a big in-house TV watcher. Mm-hmm. I'll put music on because I do like to hear music in the background every blue moon. So, but yeah, and I think that might be a characteristic of the extrovert. Like we might like the energy, but we also need to just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, regroup too. Exactly. Regroup is a good word. Going back to your your childhood, your beautiful childhood with an amazing single mom, did you, she ever talked to you about racism? Tell me what that conversation might have been like. I could ask a million questions, but I'll, I'll just let you start and go from there. No, that's a great question. And, you know, I don't really remember my mom and I having those types of conversations. Now, if anything, I probably was the one that was like, Mom, I'm reading this book because... I had um, some favorite authors back then, and I I used to love to read books about African-American history mm-hmm. or um, books written by African-American authors. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I might have, you know, read a good book and I might have talked to my mom about it, but I really don't remember um, us having those types of conversations. I really don't even remember any blatant instances where maybe my mother or my family was impacted by racism, at least not that I remember or recall. <laughs> um, even the town that I grew up in, like all of my life, my classes were mixed. So definitely African-Americans, but definitely whites. Um, and then, you know, we had Hispanics. That probably was maybe the extent of the diversity, honestly. <laughs> um, but it was always like, you know, a mix. And I remember even having a, a, a birthday party in particular. And I remember I had, you know, my black friends were there. My white friends were there. And even funny story, we just had a big class reunion and we did it virtual. And I remember one of my friends, you know, white friend, she, she mentioned my birthday party when we were talking oh. about having a class reunion. Oh. So nothing in particular I can remember. And my mom did get married when I was um, about 13. So my stepdad has been in my life and he still is. And even with him, I don't remember if he experienced anything when I was a little girl, 
um, in particular. So I am so happy to hear that. It sounds like you had a very well adjusted childhood, well adjusted school time. It seems like you grew up with a very, what do I want to say? Your concept, your outlook was already very diverse. It wasn't on one side or the other. You didn't seem to have a dualistic mindset, just all are welcome. Would that be a good, an accurate description? I would say that. Now, I will say that I was fully aware of mm. racism and discrimination. I just wasn't personally impacted that I can recall. Good. But move forward, it is very clear to me, which is why I'm very passionate about social justice activism, because I have seen instances that have, that have impacted people that I know very close to me and even people obviously that I don't know. So I feel like I've, I've been um, a little aware, but now I have truly feel like I've been impacted. Wow. I like how you distinguish between the two. And I love that you have a heart for social justice because of those you know who've been impacted, whether you have been or not. I feel a little bit like we're soul sisters because I feel the exact same way. And I love how I was reading on your website how your organization takes an active role in speaking up for social justice and mental health in your community. And this is why, right? Because of the people that you know personally who've been impacted. Yeah, people that I know personally or just in some of the social justice work that I, you know, worked on. So um, I have worked with some of the leading, most known civil rights attorneys in the country on some police brutality cases. So I'm not currently working on any in particular right now, mm -hmm. but when I was, I was really exposed to blatant social injustices and police brutality cases and racism and discrimination, like mm -hmm. more than what people may really understand, mm -hmm. you know, families that, you know, maybe have just lost a loved one due to a wrongful act, no matter how you look at it, right? Yep. Yep. Whether the person did something that somebody else may have said is what caused them to be murdered, despite mm -hmm. any of that, to see America's reaction at times, like the social media comments when some people would say, oh, that person deserved it. So yeah. there's just so many things. And so I think that that is what really, really took my awareness to another level when I was working with those families and mm -hmm. with those attorneys and, you know, to go to, you know, city council type meetings. And to, when I went to my first uh, high profile funeral, you know, where, you know, I was on the line with CNN because, you know, we gave them the permission to, to come in and air mm -hmm. the, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. um, so. It hits you so much deeper. I need to ask you this question because I'm curious. You might have struggled with this answer or talk to people who already have answers and can educate me on it. But why do you think social justice is such a bad phrase. People don't like it. People don't like, oh, you're a social justice activist. Okay. I know all about that. Why do you think it's not very accepted? Why do you think people feel social justice is more radical? Or why do you think it, it's connected to socialism 
why is standing up for other people and their rights considered in a negative light by so many people? I, I don't understand this. Well, I would say that um, to me, the social justice should be the positive part. The social injustice is what should bother people. Oh, right? I love to distinguish yeah. how you distinguish that. Social <laughs> injustice, really, to water it down, something isn't right. Something isn't fair, mm -hmm. right? So if, if anybody has an issue with people or organizations or entities pushing for what should be right, then my question is to the person that has the issue. Mm. Clearly, that person may have never experienced social injustice. Mm -hmm. Maybe doesn't even really understand what it could feel like to the impacted or the oppressed person or group or entity. Mm -hmm. And I also think maybe some people are narrow-minded in the sense that they take social injustice to think it's always race. Social injustice is not black-white. Social injustice can be, hey, justice, justice in the workplace. Mm -hmm. you know, why can't a woman make as much as a man, mm -hmm. you know, or why is this woman being treated differently than the man? Or why is um, this person with this, uh, I don't know, uh, religious thought, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. I think if people step back and really think about what is the definition of social justice? Mm. Broad, it's broad. Mm -hmm. Now there may be particular areas that some people are fighting for and you know, standing in solidarity for, but the term itself to me is broader. So I guess that, that, that would be my thought is to the person or to the people who have the issue, why would you have an issue with anything that will only make the world and America more beautiful? Exactly. The way you phrase that, that just needs to be a lesson in social justice from Tierra. Love it. I needed to hear that. I think that's great because I've been, there's certain groups of people who really put up a wall towards social justice. And I like how you distinguish social justice from social injustice and speaking out against things, but also speaking up for things. Um, I think people listen a little bit more when you're for something. Yeah. And then there's a lot more resistance when you're against, isn't there? I agree. I agree. Because if someone says, I'm against discrimination, oh, well, why are you against it? Oh, man. But if I say, I'm for unity, mm -hmm. it's like it puts a smile on your face, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what's wrong with that? That's a yes. good thing. It is a so, good thing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'm so glad you're working towards and for these things. Have you ever had to deal with passive aggressive comments or microaggressions spoken or acted towards you in the workplace or in school or anywhere? And if so, how have you dealt with those? I will say that um, throughout my, my career, overall, I'm, I'm very blessed by my career. Good. Um, 
But I have, I'll be honest, I have had situations where I did have to question if I didn't get certain opportunities because of how others may have, how do I put this? Did they think I was a good fit? Not because I was a bad fit, but was I a good fit for the team? You know, mm-hmm. we get that a lot. Well, you're a great person. You, you, you have this, but would this person be a great fit? And I think when I was younger, I didn't, okay, yeah, I get it. Fit is everything. And I still agree with that. But then as I got older, I started wondering. In not all instances, but in a maybe one or two, and not just my career, but other careers of people mm-hmm. that I know, was the good fit because of that person mm-hmm. wondering if they could relate or have a relationship with this person because of their own experiences or their own ignorances or their own biasness? Or was it really me being a good fit? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because as a person, I can fit in with a lot of people. I can fit in with a lot of people. I, I very rare, rarely am in situations where I can't, you know, have mm-hmm. a good relationship and a good conversation like you and I. Mm-hmm. So is it me or is it the other person? Exactly. So just little instances like that. And then, um, you know, I've had many instances where, oh, you're, you're great, but you just need a little bit more experience. And I'm thinking, well, how do I get the experience if I don't get it? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Right? Hence why, and a lot of people don't know this, but that's where Tierra PR Network and Speak That Movement were birthed. When I said, okay, let me go out and get my own experience. Let me go out in the community and do these things that I'm already doing, but let me do them on a different level. Let me do them on higher levels. And then I just started loving it. And then it just started growing and growing. So the root is me just doing what I love outside of my career because it was giving me the skills, the strengths, the relationships, the connections, and the experience uh-huh. that I wanted for Tierra that just so happens to be a benefit to the employer. So I so love that mindset. Instead of looking at it as a negative or feeling down on yourself or taking a victim mentality, you're like, okay, this is what you want. I'm going to make it happen. What an amazing go-getter attitude. Like nothing's going to keep you down. You need this experience. I'm going to figure out how to get it. And the thing is, but when I'm getting it, it's not necessarily for you. It's for me uh-huh. and the people that I'm impacting, right? It's and for I your personal Where things took another level because I was doing what I loved and it was impacting other people mm-hmm. outside of the walls of, of a building or mm-hmm. of a corporate America structure, but it became greater. So like when I think about my Speak That movement, it might have started years ago when I was just, you know, wanting to you know host an event that I thought would just be an event but also an event that was giving me some experience Mm -hmm. but now it's a movement where Mm. I have people all over the country that may know about speak that movement I have you know I had a guest on speak that talks from the United Kingdom 
early January. Wow. I had a guest a few weeks ago from Sweden. So now this thing that was just, let me just do some things that I love outside of work mm-hmm. has grown. So I would encourage anybody out there, you know, maybe you're, you're in the workplace or not in the workplace and you're, you're, you're constantly told you're great, but if only you had this, don't let that impact you mentally. Hence the mental health awareness piece that Speak That Movement is focused on mm-hmm. because we know that as women, we may deal with those things that maybe to some people is like, oh, whatever. But to some people, if you hear those words, they might really impact you to, to be told that you're great, but, or to see you not get the opportunity and maybe someone else did. And you're wondering like, why did they get it? I have more education. Mm-hmm. I have more experience. Why them? So some women and some people do internalize that mm-hmm. and it can lead to stress, anxiety, depression, self-doubt, you know, yeah. and all of those negative things. And, and again, I've got some other instances where, you know, I might've been the youngest person in a room. I might've been the only black person in the room. You know, I've had people say, hey, are you here to take notes? So that happens. <laughs> and now I have people in my organization that might take notes for me. <laughs> they don't go. know that, right? So I love how you took what others might consider a deficiency or someone projected on you as a lack and you have turned it on its head to be something that is empowering and educational and encouraging for so many other people to have that heart, that mindset, that go get itness. I don't know what it's called. There might be a, a proper term for it, but that is just beautiful and encouraging to me. Way to go. Thank you so much. What you were mentioning, and we're talking back again about uh, the social justice piece, that you've come in contact with some really horrible instances of others experiencing social um, injustice. Talk to me about your feelings about the police, because a lot of this hinges, I know, on police brutality. Personally, do you have positive, negative experiences, or is it more of a broad, you know, under an umbrella type thing that you would like to see change in? So I, I feel like things are so deep and systematic and but also a lot of things are, are somewhat being exposed because of social media, right? And mm-hmm. the viral nature of things. So on one side, I would say that I'm not completely surprised by some of the things that we're seeing involving police. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that to say this. Me personally, I believe that generally speaking, police are amazing people, mm-hmm. period. I really truly believe that the people that decided that they wanted to be police officers and that they wanted to take the oath to to serve their communities, I really believe that the majority are great people who really want to do that. Mm -hmm. I also believe that there are people who are in situations where they are reacting in the moment. Perhaps they're in situations where they were afraid, they were threatened, or maybe they will just say they were, and they really weren't. 
I believe that some of those people may be the result of not having the best training, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe if they were trained a little differently or exposed, whether it was realistically or hypothetically to certain situations, maybe they would have responded differently in those situations. Mm -hmm. I also believe that there are officers who really are bad people Mm -hmm. that really are cruel, mean people who are maybe racist people who don't value life. And as an example, I'm going to bring up Obviously, it's a popular name, but I'll bring up George Floyd. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, that officer could not have been a good person to do what you did to a human being, Mm -hmm. to be on their neck for that long. I'm talking over eight minutes Mm -hmm. when this young man, whether he was black, white, brown, I don't care. He's calling out for his mother. He's begging for help. He is not doing anything. There's no weapon. There's no violence. He's doing nothing. I don't think that has anything to do with that officer's training. I think that was just an incident that the world got to see of cruelty Mm -hmm. and evilness. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there are other officers that are like that as well and i also say would say this what we see that makes the news that makes the headlines Mm -hmm. is a small percentage of what really takes place yes my role when i was the pr director when i was working with these attorneys was to work with them and the families to get some of these stories out there Mm -hmm. now granted there were some cases that I worked on, I had the media, any major network you could think of, mm-hmm. would call my phone, text me, email me, because they wanted the story, mm-hmm. because it was that big. Mm-hmm. But there were other cases that we worked on where it was the opposite. We're, we're hoping that they would want the story. So I give you all that because I think some people, they don't realize the magnitude of what is really happening. Not every story is viral. There are still families who lost a loved one and they're still seeking justice with names and hashtags that we never heard of Mm -hmm. because they may have only made it to their local news. Mm -hmm. And when that cycle ended, that might've been it. They might pop up on the anniversary or the birthday, but those stories never made national news. Mm -hmm. So I say that to say, there are so many more situations out there that will yes. make people question police, yeah. that will make people say, I don't trust the police. I don't like the police. I remember being pulled over in Addison, Texas. I just moved here. I was pulled over. And this was shortly after Sandra Bland. Oh, yeah. Sandra that must have been scary. Yes. Sandra Bland, African-American woman from Illinois, in Texas for work. Mm -hmm. I'm from Illinois, in Texas. And I remember I was pulled over after leaving a concert. It was late at night. And I was like, okay. One officer pulled over, pulled me over. 
and then another officer's uh, truck came over. And then at one point, there were three officers with flashlights surrounding my car. Oh, how scary. I was scared. I didn't want to roll my window down. I didn't want to talk. And I remember telling the officers, I said, I refuse to roll my window down. I'm scared. And I was scared. Uh And I mean, on one side, why should I be scared? You know, like, Corey, would you be scared? You may be happy, right? Mm -hmm. I was scared, but not like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? I was scared for my life because three officers have flashlights around me and I'm all by myself. Mm -hmm. So I just give that example to say, to answer your your question. Yes, I experienced that and granted nothing happened. You know, it was was a, 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 you know, a minor traffic violation situation, but just the escalation that I felt was an escalation. But Mm -hmm. then a lot of this is education. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to one of my friends who was an officer. And I told him the situation. And he said, that's not uncommon. And I'm like, what? He's like, that's not uncommon for multiple officers to arrive on a scene, to pull up, to back each other up. Mm-hmm. And he said, and guess what? There probably were even more officers nearby. Wow. Wow. We have this us versus them mentality of the police so often. And I think the police might could use your PR firm <laughs> with the <laughs> education. A, a job, a job galore. But you know what? I think that the best PR out there are the officers that are the good officers mm-hmm. that are posting saying, I don't agree with what's happening. Yes, officers yes. Officers that were protesting and marching with the people in yes. saying, I don't stand for what is happening. That's the best PR there is. Mm-hmm. Well, and it doesn't have to be all or nothing, one way or the other, all or bad or all or good. I wish we could get this dualistic, this binary mindset out of our heads that I just really think the way you phrased it was so fantastic that the ones that are bad, that we perceive as bad, it's it goes back to to who they are as people. Like if you read the um, anything on the um, policeman who killed George Floyd, he had several reprimands against him. He put his knee on many people's necks, including women. Like that's just bad behavior, period. I don't think many officers would even approve of that. So to your point, just because there's one doesn't make all of them bad. But when we come at it in a negative attitude, like we were talking about earlier, um, and we say what they're doing wrong, well, of course, the entire police force is going to feel threatened and attacked. But if we talk about this one instance, this one person, the rest of you, you're doing awesome. How can we continue this conversation, this dialogue, this let's learn to appreciate each other, not be scared of each other, instead of we're afraid of you all the time. And how can we get past this? And and to take it to another level, we also need a system in place where when you do murder people wrongfully or um, in a manner that is like questionable, you need as an officer to be held accountable to a standard 
just like if I went and shot you or shot an officer. So that is what takes things to the next level. Mm -hmm. You murder me, you go home, you get peace, your family gets to see you. The other person, the victim, it's over. Life has changed. Mm -hmm. And that's when we get angry and we get upset and we want justice. When we think about people like Breonna Taylor, yes, justice was deserved and it still is mm-hmm. because situations just aren't right. And then the officers, yeah, why can't they be held accountable? Yeah, they there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be that double standard. No, that's and where people it, get upset. Exactly, and perhaps if these officers are actually receiving the justifiable consequences for their wrongful actions, perhaps other officers would think twice. Mm-hmm. Well said. Very, very well said. <laughs> so Man. I wasn't expecting to go there, but, you know, it's, it's a reality. It is. And um, it would speak that movement in particular, you know, we are on a mission to also, you know, not be shy or quiet about these situations because especially as professional people in the workplace, we see what happens in America and then we go to work, whether it's virtually or in, in the building, and we don't say things. I so I commend the fact that now more organizations Mm-hmm. are being more welcoming to these types of conversations mm-hmm. because guess what? They were happening maybe in silos or in private or in secret or, oh, let me, did you hear about what happened yesterday? Mm-hmm. No. Did you all hear about what happened? Yes. How does it make you feel? Yes. Do you need to talk to a therapist? Do you need to know what to say to your child? Do you need to know how to talk to your white or black coworker mm-hmm. because you just don't know what words to say? Mm-hmm. Those are the efforts that can help us deal with things and not have to face the mental health mm-hmm. aspects that can come along with them. And change can't happen unless we speak it out loud, unless we talk about the things that are blatantly wrong. Um, show a double standard are affecting a large group of people and everyone's looking the opposite direction. We have got to speak out popular or not popular. What you're doing, what so many people are now starting to do. I'm so glad there's dialogue. There's people bringing awareness to other people. Now, like you mentioned, companies and corporations are defunding, taking money away from people or other organizations that have very racist tendencies. And they're deciding, no, we're not going to support this anymore. We don't want our brand associated with this mindset or these words or this, these actions. So change, it comes in baby steps. It's small, but we have to take every single small change is victory, don't we? We do. And also, I would like to add this. I've had a lot of people ask me, well, how do people use their voice, right? Everybody's not going to, you know, want to stand up and speak out. And I agree. And this is the thing. Not everybody needs to. We all can use our voice in different ways. Mm -hmm. 
Somebody may feel comfortable using their voice to speak out for people. Somebody else may, may not feel comfortable and that is okay. But just know you have a voice. Your voice may be to just talk to your family one day during dinner and say, hey, mm -hmm. what's going on in America? Let's talk about it. Your voice may be, hey, I see something happening um, in my neighborhood or with a, one of my family members that's not acceptable. And I'm just gonna use my voice to pull that person to the side. So I, I just wanna throw that out there with people who may struggle with, oh, everybody's saying use your voice. Well, how do I use my voice? Don't feel like you have to use your voice. Don't feel like you have to go out there and march and protest. That may not be you. You do what works for you, what makes you comfortable. Your mm. voice may simply be going to vote, voting mm. for change, voting yeah. for the next president, vice president, or your local people to help bring the change and let them use their voice, the people who you have elected. So I just want to say that don't feel that you have to do something that's not you. Be you, but know that you have a voice. That is excellent advice. I really appreciate that. Those practical ideas. Well, we've made it to your closing question. What is your tip to make the world a better place? What a beautiful question. I love your questions. Oh, <laughs> thank you. This is making me smile. <laughs> um, thank you. I would say it's a word often said but maybe not used enough but grace grace mm -hmm. and everybody may not have a, the same level of grace but i think that we also have to recognize that everybody goes through life in different ways everybody has different upbringings different experiences different life-changing stages. So I'm not you, you're not me. Even my mother will never know all of my thoughts and I will never know all of hers. But if we give each other grace as people to just sometimes step back and pause and try to just understand other people or try to see where they may be coming from and offer levels of forgiveness especially when asked and even maybe when not asked but also knowing that we have to give ourselves grace mm. when we make mistakes in life mm -hmm. when we have hardships in life give ourselves grace so that we can be better people because the world will not be a better place just like that mm -mm. it's the individuals who are willing to be better people that will help just snowball and, 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 and create change. So again, I go back to, it's not perfection, it's progression. So work on you, we work on ourselves as individuals and we shed that positive light. We be the grace, we be the answer. As I like to tell people, you be the solution, not the problem. Mm. When we keep seeing more of that, yes. more shows like yours where you're, you know, you're bringing people together to use their voice and offer positivity, then that spreads. And we see more uh, people out in the community and we see more organizations supporting people and their employees. When we see more and more and more, it 
infectiously, the world will become a better place. Mm-hmm. Do I yes. believe it will ever be perfect? I'm, I won't lie. I don't think that we will ever have the uh, 100% world that is of love and of unity. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that the good will outweigh the bad. Actually, your answer does not surprise me in the least. Sitting here talking to you for this hour, I can tell the one the vibe that I get from you is that you see the good in all people. And so naturally that means naturally that means you give grace like time after time after time. And I'm not surprised. What are you the most thankful for right now? I'm thankful to be alive. And mm. I know that may sound so shallow and simple. But, Corey, when I think about 2020 and I think about that we're living in a global pandemic Mm -hmm. and how when I, you know, end this uh, beautiful conversation with you and I go outside, I'm going to have to put on a mask. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to, you know, be mindful of, of, of how close I am to people. And I'm mindful of the fact that people are dying left and right. I'm still getting texts this week from close friends who have told me that they just got out of the hospital or they mm-hmm. know someone that just died. I'm literally getting texts this week. So that lets me know that every day when we wake up, it's a blessing. It's a gift. I don't take that it for is. granted. And if I have the opportunity to wake up and live another day, then I believe that it's my obligation to continue to walk in my purpose, to continue to make a difference, to continue to see and what else I can do to be the best person that I can be. So I'm thankful for just being alive. That's a blessing nowadays. Isn't that the truth? Okay, lastly, what is your favorite quote? VP Kamala Harris. Okay, look at that. And it says, what I want young women and girls to know is, you are powerful and your voice matters. So you use that voice and be strong. Oh, preach it, Kamala. Love her. <laughs> Love her. That is the truth. I think girls and women need that empowerment and that encouragement and that advocacy so much. What a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much for your time, Tiara. This has been just fantastic. I love it. I feel like two friends just sitting here talking about things that are important to them. And I hate that it has to come to an end, but I just love who you are and what you're doing. And thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you, Corey. And and thank you for giving me the opportunity. And everybody out there, if I could just leave your listeners with this, just know that you have everything within you to, to live your best life. So walk in your purpose. And as I like to say, dream it, believe it, speak it, and walk it. And be blessed and be safe. Tierra's website describes her as a sought-after thought partner. And I can totally see why. I really enjoyed our deep talk over ideas of social justice and police accountability. I especially appreciate how she differentiates between social justice and social injustice. Social injustice is not limited to a black-white issue. Injustices happen everywhere. I can learn a lot from Tierra's approach to growth. 
I was impressed how she took what could be viewed as something negative or maybe even discriminatory and decided to make changes on her own to give her the experience she was told she was lacking. How many of us would choose to do this? She chose initiative, hard work, and growing her skill set instead of victimhood or projecting hurt or anger onto others. She made something positive, her PR network and Speak That Movement, that works towards the empowerment and good of others, all because she desired to gain more experience. Tierra is not an all-or-nothing person. She can see nuance and ambiguity. She knows the subject of police brutality is a complicated one. She does a fantastic job, in my opinion, of breaking down the issue into smaller chunks and not making broad, sweeping generalizations. Her skill in speaking so poignantly to this issue obviously comes from her years of experience in public relations communication. I am totally taking notes from Tierra in this area and will be following her lead next time someone wants to broach the subject of policing with me. No one is left on the defensive when you come at it from this angle, and I think that's what I appreciate the most about it. I am always in need of the reminder to continually show grace to others. Tierra's closing remark was exactly what I needed to hear. The English philosopher Francis Bacon is credited with saying, If a man be gracious and courteous to strangers, it shows he is a citizen of the world. May we all choose to be conscientious citizens of this world, as Tierra has. Thank you for listening to Gramercy. Remember, there is no them, just us. See you down the road.